brother in Christ. He is somebody that I will go to the mat for, I will battle for, I will just, uh, he has my heart and soul and behind him 100%. He did this sermon, this lesson, probably about 10 years ago was the first time I heard it. It revolutionized the way I thought, 100%. And each year subsequently, I have gone to Jeff and said, Jeff, you need to do Stop the Weirdness. And he will say, but I already did it. And I say, but we need it again. And he says, okay, but what's different? We're still kind of weird. <laughs> so you need to do it again. So this is the conversation that we probably have yearly. Um, and finally, I was like, Jeff, we're doing Journey On. I need you to do Stop the Weirdness, please. He has moved heaven and earth so he could do this. Um, he has so much responsibility in our church, in our church family, but he is here. He is dedicated to do this. So please uh, listen to him. Satan has been trying to get him off task, which makes me believe Satan wants the weirdness to continue. <laughs> and we are not going to have that. So we are going to hear from Jeff after Marcus comes up and prays for us. Again, thank you all so much for coming. Thank you. We welcome you, and we're so happy you're here. All right, everybody, let's go to God in prayer. Um, Father in heaven, Lord, thank you so much for allowing us all to come here uh, today safely to be able to enjoy a weekend of uh, fellowship, uh, brother and sisterhood, Lord, uh, family, and just encouragement. I pray that uh, you be with Jeff as he uh, preaches his message. Um, help us to be a little bit less weird, Lord. Um, just how, how the Israelites um, constantly, you know, forgotten how to be reminded by God. Um, you know, sometimes we forget, and Jeff has to come back and remind us. So uh, thank you so much. And I just pray you be with us. And everyone who's speaking this weekend, I pray your Holy Spirit will be on them and that you help guide us all closer to you, closer to one another, and let this be a time that we can build each other up for next year and the years to come. Um, in Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. been having some technical difficulties, so it may or may not work. I don't know. Oh, there we go. All right. So stop the weirdness. Yes. What in the world is that all about? Well, um, I do think it's helpful just to give you a feel for where I'm coming from so that I'm not just jumping out and calling everybody weird. Um, that might offend you. Uh, and I always assume, man, I've already, like I told Michelle, I've already shared all this stuff. Everybody knows this stuff. But then when I see all these people standing up, I don't know everybody. And you don't necessarily know where I'm coming from. And so I do think it's probably helpful just to share, you know, just a, a little bit uh, of kind of where I'm coming from, a little personal, personal history. But I did become a Christian as a single man. So a uh, 25-year-old guy living in uh, Southern California. So I did, at that point in my life, uh, as a single guy, became a Christian. Uh, and so due to some kind of interesting turn of events, uh, I was asked to go into the full-time ministry uh, when I was one-year-old as a Christian. And so, you know, baptized in 96, full-time ministry, 1997, I didn't know what I was doing, right? Uh, but the beautiful thing I feel like what I had was, I, I feel like I was given a lot of great spiritual guidance in my formative years as a Christian man, as a single man in the church. And I feel like with all the problems, all the warts and weirdness of the ministry I was baptized into, I feel like I still was just given great theological insight 
and great uh, insight into what it means to be in the family of God. And the ministry that I was baptized into in Los Angeles, it had about maybe 750 people-ish, but over half of those were single. And we had no campus ministry. Not one, we had not one college student. So it was mostly single people and, and, and married uh, couples uh, throughout the church. So I just assumed, man, this is, this is the way life is, man. This is great. I got like a couple hundred single friends, and man, I'm going to get to know all of them, and this is great. Uh, and honestly, that was my mindset, and I tried to get to know as many uh, of the single brothers and sisters as I could and just had a great time. Uh, and so a lot of what I'm sharing today really comes out of my mindset that was really given to me through Scripture and through following the example of people that I felt, man, I, I really want to imitate that. And, um, and so five years, I spent about five years in that ministry, and it was, I loved it. You know, again, not perfect, a lot of issues, but at some point I was asked to move from Los Angeles to Orange County. Orange County is a lot different than Los Angeles. Totally different vibe. 180. I mean, like, wow. So I show up in, in Orange County and they're like, hey, we want you to help with our singles ministry. All right, that's what I know, right? Cool. And uh, helping with the singles. And then I started noticing things that I thought, hmm, I don't really understand what is going on right here. And so after a while, they actually made a decision that I probably would never repeat. But they took all the singles in Orange County, at the time, maybe like 300 or something singles, and just separated them. From, like, you're going to have Wednesday night together and Sunday night together. So we had our own thing, just the singles all the time. So I was like living 24-7 singles ministry, right? And, uh, and so after a while, I just got kind of that conviction where, you know, Paul sometimes says, and I shared with you with tears, you know. Like, there were just some things that were going on, and I was like, I, I, I can't do, I, we can't do this anymore. And so one, one night, I just decided, like in about 2002 or some whatever it was, I'm going to just stop the weirdness was the, was the name of the message that night. And, uh, and so, wow, I mean, it, it started a discussion. There, there was, uh, people had feelings, you know what I mean? Um, but I thought it was a healthy exchange. I mean, some people were mad at me. Some people were like, finally, somebody said something, and all, and all stuff in between. And then one brother went out and made T-shirts. <laughs> and it said, Orange County Church of Christ. And on the back, it had a big stop sign, but stop the weirdness in the middle of it, you know. And so it became this funny thing, but we, we were trying to grow and mature, you know. And uh, I was just trying to do my best, not that I have all the answers. No one person has all the answers. And not everything I say today you're going to agree with. Or I'm not even saying I'm perfectly right. And, and by the way, Lynn is going to come up whenever she wants, okay? So Lynn and I have been working together for like, I don't know, 12 years. I don't know what it is. And so Lynn and I have this thing. You can just come walk up and grab the mic. And that's, so don't get mad at Lynn if she does that. Like, I've told her she can do that. Like, she's not being disrespectful and all that. She, she's really smart and, and wise, amen, you know, so, and I like that, and uh, Mark Ottenweller is a smart man to marry her, you know what I mean, and uh, so she might come up and share her insights as well, but I just want to at least give that little kind of background where I'm coming from is a guy who has spent, I've been in the ministry over 20 years now, and I've spent a lot of time, the majority of that time it's on some level just involved in singles ministry, you know, and so these are just couple decades worth of thoughts, insights, take it or leave it, you know what I mean? You know, and uh, let's see what happens, right? Um, so I'm not just going to dive right into the weirdness. 
I'm going to try to develop, I'm going to try to remind us of some theological points that I know we all probably agree with, but I've found that it's helpful to re remember some things, okay? And so let's just kind of dive into some basic theology, right? So what are some theological roots to, to kind of keep us on the same page? First of all, first page of the Bible, right? God created man and women in his own image, right? Everybody agree with that? All right, we're on the same page. God blessed them and told them, be fruitful and increase in number. Right? And then in the, in the next chapter, it, it talks about it's not good for the man to be alone. Okay? Now, what happens is, is that these basic scriptures, over time, people have taken the emphasis and, and moved it a certain way culturally. And what can happen is, is you can feel as though you are not what you need to be because you're alone. You're unmarried. And so it's not good. In fact, God said it's not good. Right? And, and, it, and it can be taken out of context, what I've learned and seen in people's lives. And, and, uh, and in fact, read the Bible. Read the context. Adam is naming animals, right? And it's, that's the context. It's like, wow, you know, the aardvark is really interesting. But man, I just don't think you can have a really meaningful relationship with the aardvark. You know what I mean? There needs to be something else. God says, there's another relationship that you need to have. I'm going to create another human, right? It, it wasn't about marriage. It was about this, that Adam and the animals was not going to do it. And, but it wasn't that Adam had to have Eve to be married, and that is the ideal state of life. It was more like humans needed community because God lives in community, right? And so he, he made us to live in community. But I think people take the emphasis in the wrong place and go, well, I'm, I'm alone, I'm not married, and, and that's not good, and that's not, the, that's not what you're supposed to do with that passage. And uh, we'll try to, try to go to the next one, Sinto. Thanks, man. Oh, there we go. So here's the other problem. So more, these are more theological, not problem, but this is just sometimes the way people take the scriptures and they kind of do some weird thinking, and we do it ourselves. Um, Genesis 12, we found out about Abraham, right? Hey, Abraham, I know you don't know me, but hey, I need you to move, take your whole family, and he, through, your, through your line, the whole world will be blessed, right? That's heavy. Like, wow, if you were Abraham, how do you process that? Later on, right? But later on, right, Jacob, God appears to Jacob in Genesis 28. What, is, what does he say? Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You'll spread out to the west, east, north, and south. All the families of the earth will pronounce blessings on one another using your name and that of your descendants. Okay? Descendants. Do you know what that means? That means marriage, children. Okay? That's what it means. Your physical birth line, your line. Okay? All right? And in 2 Samuel 7, keep fast forwarding through biblical history. All right? This is, this is David. Now we're on to David. Right? And then the, the Lord makes the Davidic covenant. Right? Uh, he will build a house for you. When the time comes for you to die, I will raise up your descendant, one of your own sons, to succeed you. I will establish his kingdom. Your house and your kingdom will stand before me permanently. Your dynasty will be permanent. This is the seed of David. So, so again, if you are an Israelite, okay, you believe that physical lineage is a part of God's plan to save the world, okay? And so, and so if you don't have children, that can be a source of shame. And, 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 and that's one of the things that, 
you, you have to realize that this, is, this was happening culturally in the Bible times. But it also happens in our own day and age, guys. You know, if you're not married, there's a, there's, there can be a level of shame or whatever. But that was happening in the Bible. And so here are some of the fruit from those theological roots that aren't, that aren't necessarily good, right? Since it's not good for people to be alone, people need to marry, right? Once married, they are able to be fruitful with children, and then they can fill the earth with godly offspring, right? And these people are favored in the community. They're blessed by God. But if you're not married, so you can't have children righteously, so you're relegated to a lower level of respect among the covenant people. And then if you're married but have no children, well, you're either disobedient to God's command to be fruitful and multiply, or maybe there's something in your life that God's punishing. Right? And we see this played out over and over in Scripture, right? Even though people can be married, but what, what, what's the problem? They can't have kids. The barren woman. Any, anybody know of any examples of that in the Scripture? Name, name one. I don't know. Hannah, right? Hannah, Hannah is weeping, right? In anguish. She can't have a child, right? Sarah, right? She can't have, she can't have a child. And, and so it wasn't just, man, that, that's a bummer. Again, culturally, it's like, what's wrong with Sarah? God, God's not with her. She can't have children. She, or, or they're just disobedient. God's first command to people was be fruitful and multiply. If we're going to be God's people, we got to have kids. And so the barren woman becomes one of those examples of like, not good. You don't want to be her, right? So we're going to look at her and another person, too. But. So this is, a, this is a scripture that's very important. I want you to understand this concept. I'm trying to bring theology, not just yell at you. Okay, amen? You know what I mean? Okay? I'm not just calling people weird. I'm trying to give you understanding of how, the, how, people, how culturally people can look at certain people a certain way. This happened in Bible times. Look at this in Isaiah 54. Shout for joy, O barren one who has not given birth. Shout for joy, though. Give a joyful shout and cry out, you who have not been in labor, for the children of the desolate one are more numerous than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. What's going on here? What's Isaiah doing? He, in 750 B.C. or whatever, he's given a vision of the future kingdom. He's given a vision of what God's going to do. Hundreds of years after what he's saying, right, the time frame that he's living in, they don't understand this, but he's, he's given a vision. He's pulling back the, the, the scales a little bit and saying, hey, look, this is the way it's going to be. Even barren women can have children. Make your, hey, barren woman, hey, make your tent larger. Renovate your house for more room. Right? Stretch your tent curtains further out. Spare no effort. Lift in your ropes. Pound your stakes deep. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your children will conquer nations and re will resettle desolate cities. How can a barren woman have children? What's going on with this new kingdom? Don't be afraid for you will not be put to shame. Don't be intimidated. You won't be humiliated. You'll forget about the shame you experienced in your youth. You will no longer remember the disgrace of your abandonment for your husband is the one who made you. The Lord who commands armies is his name. He is your protector, the Holy One of Israel. He is called God of the entire earth. So this vision is you don't have to have physical children 
to have children. That's the vision of the kingdom that Isaiah is trying to give. Even a barren woman can have descendants. But how? how? And they didn't get it. In Isaiah's day, they didn't get it, right? What about Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mom, right? She couldn't have kids. And in verse 7, right, she was barren. And in verse 25, when, they, when, they, when they're, she's pregnant, what does she say in verse 25? That, the, that take, to take away the disgrace, okay? So this is New Testament too. So it's Old Testament, New Testament, right? It's just that feeling of disgrace when you can't have kids. That was a cultural reality. But some people feel it today. But I'm trying to help you understand where it even comes from. What about the eunuch? Right? We're, all, we're, we're not in middle school, right? So we don't, we don't have to giggle at the eunuch, right? The eunuch can't have kids, pure and simple. And so if the barren woman was an example of a problem and, and looked down on society, the eunuch was as well. The eunuch couldn't even worship with, with other Israelites the way they would really want to. Um, remember this? Remember, I mean, everybody knows, right? The most famous eunuch, right? Acts 8, right? Acts chapter 8, right? He's trying to figure it out, and man, he says, I can't even understand this. I need somebody to help me. And he was reading this stuff about he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In humiliation, justice was taken from him. Who can describe his posterity, or some of your translations, his descendants? For his life was taken away from the earth. So who is this scripture being talked, who's being talked about? Jesus, right? Okay. Who can describe his descendants? What, what, what descendants did Jesus have? Who was his wife? What kids did he have? Did he have any earthly kids? Did he impregnate an earthly woman, and did she have kids? No. So Jesus had no descendants, right? And so this scripture, again, Isaiah is trying to give, <laughs> he's trying to tell people hundreds of years beforehand, this is who the Messiah is going to be. He's going to be humiliated, no justice. He's going to be slaughtered, and he's not even going to have any kids, which goes against everything all the Israelites knew about what God did in the world. God used the physical line of people. Those were the people that were supposed to be respected if you could marry and have kids. But the future kingdom was different, and the Messiah was trying to show people that you don't have to have physical children to be respected. And I don't have any proof of this, but you can do your own Bible study. But I believe that after Philip read this passage to uh, the eunuch, I believe he read Isaiah 56 to him as well that talks about eunuchs being given a name in God's kingdom, even though they have no, no kids. All right. So in the new covenant, it's no longer about bloodlines, but the blood of Jesus Christ. All right. So if you're not married and you don't have physical children, you are still able to participate in being used by God to spread the kingdom of God. That's the that's the biblical story. Physical lineage is not necessary. You know, John chapter three, you need to be born from above. You need to be born again. That's how you get into the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter about your if you're married or if you have children. It's about being born again, born from above. That's how God spreads his kingdom. 
You don't need to be married. And in Colossians 1, it talks about a guy named Epaphras who went to this city and, and shared the gospel, and it bore fruit. You ever heard of a scripture where God says bear fruit? Genesis 1, bear fruit. Epaphras goes to a city, shares the message of God. People respond, he's bearing fruit. What is he doing? He's spreading the kingdom the way the new covenant talks about. You don't have to have physical children. Epaphras had all these children in this city that he shared his faith in. The beautiful thing of the Bible is it has a high view of marriage and singleness. Christian marriage, you know what that is? It's a testimony of the utterly faithful and unchanging love of God for his people in a permanent, exclusive covenant relationship. It's beautiful. But guess what? Christian singleness is a testimony to the complete sufficiency of Jesus for this present age. How, how you live your life is a testimony. When you, when you can live your life as an unmarried person and say, I have complete sufficiency in Christ. I don't need another person to, to make me seem valuable to God. That, but see, this is biblical, guys. But culturally, that's not the culture we live in. And it wasn't the culture of the Bible either, guys. That's what I've been trying to show you. All right? And so your singleness is a testimony that you don't have to just be in wallowing in bitterness and despair because you don't have someone else. You can actually show the world, I have Christ. He's all I need. You know, yeah, Jeff, that's easy for you to say you're married. I mean, you can go there if you want, but I lived as a single man too, and I had to figure this out. Okay? You're giving the world a witness. Like, you can say, I know I know I have a relationship with God, and that's what I need, and that's what I have, and it's sufficient for me. And you know what? I have an inheritance to come that's way better than anything we can get on this earth, including a spouse. But your singleness is a witness to that. Don't don't forget that. All right. So value your singleness, because God sure does. In In fact, Paul just flat out flips the script. I mean, he flat out says, you know, if I were you, you know what I'm saying, I would remain single. <laughs> Which was to a, Jew, a, a Jewish person to say that. When their whole race is predicated upon descendants. That was, that's why Paul got run out of, t- guys, I'm telling you, this stuff was serious. It was blasphemous. What are you talking about? We got to keep God's plan alive. We need to keep having kids. Paul's like, yo, I'm telling you, you can have kids by spreading the gospel, helping people be born from above and become children of the living God. And you don't need a spouse for that. So if I were you, I'd remain single so God can use your undivided devotion to change the world. That was not some slogan. That was truth. Marriage is great and it's cool, but, you know, there's a couple issues that come with it. You know? I mean, it just, it it does. I mean, I love being married, but, you know, sometimes there's a lot going on. (laughs) I mean, what are you going to say? I mean, what are you going to do? So let's get to the weirdness. You know what I mean? Let's just roll into it. You know what I mean? 
you come to a conference, you pay money, you drive, you fly, you need some theology up in here, right? So hopefully that gave you some meat to chew on, right? First thing you need to start doing is act like brothers and sisters and show one another some love up in here, right? Do you really believe every woman, bro, do you believe every woman in here is your sister? You know what I'm saying? Sister, right? What about you? Brothers. These men are brothers, right? Isn't that how we're supposed to look at each other? Is that, is that a North River Church thing? Is that ICOC? Come on. That's Bible. But th- if we can't figure this out, we, the rest of the stuff I'm going to have to say. So at some point, you got to look at each other and go, family. Family. Okay? No matter how crazy family is, they are family. You don't just disown your family just because they, do, they do something you don't like, right? I grew up as an only child. Single mom, who's actually a member of the church. She might even be here. I don't know. Um, she would have screamed out by now, so she's not here. Um, but uh, so I didn't have any brothers or sisters. So quite honestly, the church, it, it was really encouraging to me. Like, I, I, I don't know. I latched on to that concept. Like, I gen- like, wow, like, wow. Like, these people, they're actually commanded to, like, love me. Amen. This is great. You know what I mean? We're going to have a great relationship, you know? Is this still in your Bible? Because the funny thing is, even though I've heard it for 20 years, I turned to John 13, it's still in there. Oh, my goodness. The love you show to one another. If, if you love like Jesus loved, with that agape, that I'm willing to disadvantage myself if, it's, if it advantages you. That's agape. If it will benefit you, I'm, I'm even willing to allow harm to come to me. I'm willing to sacrifice myself for the benefit of you. That's the love that Jesus... If you love like Jesus loved, like this passage talks about, it helps you to not be so daggum selfish. It helps you to be made more into the likeness of Jesus. It helps the person that you're loving to receive that type of love and to maybe break down certain walls that no other thing in the world could ever break down. It brings God honor because you're doing what he has called you to do. And it is actually something powerful to an onlooking world. And they go, wow. That's, that's, that's intense. That's intense, right? And so we got to start acting like brothers and sisters, you know, with one another. That means you get to know each other, for crying out loud. Yeah, Lynn, come on up. There we go. I got the. So come on up. We just want some break. Come on up. <laughs> So I just want to talk about this for a second because I think we need to realize we're fighting culture. We live in the most self-absorbed world right now. I mean, we live in a world that spends forever taking pictures of ourselves, posting them so that people will like us who we don't even know. And we get our value out of very shallow things. I mean, we fight to get value out of things that will not last and will not perpetuate, that leave us emptier than we ever have been. Hence all the mental illness. 
Hence the struggle with depression. Hence the struggle with emptiness and loneliness of our generation. We live in a world that is doing it other than God's way, and it's not working. And we need to value the fact that God has plucked you out of that world to say you don't have to put up with that garbage. And not allow the world to keep transforming us into its image. In other words, we come to even a thing like this and we can easily, what am I going to get out of it? Who do I relate to? It becomes about us. Have you ever done that? I, that's me. I mean, I can really struggle with that. Sorry. Thank you, Jacinto. Um, and we lose the joy that was supposed to come to us because we walked into it with a worldly mindset. Does that make sense? Uh, it, it, at church, we look for the people that are like us to hang out with. Do you know how little growth there is in hanging out with people that think like you? You just perpetuate your thinking, and if it's wrong, you're convinced it's right. That's a dangerous thing. What's amazed me is being with people that are so different from me that I think I had no idea how off my thinking was. Being able to see people's lives in a way that's so different than mine and realize I don't live in a bubble. And so I think for us to live the rich life, we really do need to take to heart stopping the weirdness. And the weirdness is don't listen to the world. Don't let the world tell you who you're going to be and then complain when you're unhappy with who you're becoming. You see what I'm saying? You're going to have to embrace God's way, and it's going to be countercultural. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be sacrificial, and it's going to cost you. You know, Jeff was talking earlier about spiritual children, and I've got to say, I, you know, I love my children. I have six children. Four of them are married, so I have ten kids. And I have eight grandkids. There are many times I think, wow, being single was really nice. <laughs> Do you know, every Christmas I was like, wow, this is like a bedlam, you know? I love my children, but I have to say that sometimes I can't differentiate with the joy I feel just for my kids, but also for my spiritual children. People that became Christians the year that my son became a Christian, whose kids are becoming Christians now, I can't even describe to you the sense of pride I feel in them as my spiritual children. I can't describe what it feels like to go through life with them. Some of them went through things my kids will never go through. And they've overcome them, and they've grown past them, and they've been able to have full, rich lives. And I feel like they're my spiritual children. And I think sometimes when we get self-absorbed, we miss that so much of the joy of being a disciple is investing into other people's lives. If you're not happy as a disciple, maybe ask yourself, when was the last time I studied with someone? What, who are the people that became Christians because I was in their life last year? Because I think you'll start seeing the joy of watching a life transformed by the word of God because you were allowed to be a part of it. And so I, I think that God has, does have unquestionably an abundant life set out for us. It's not going to be come to pass if we do it the world's way. We're going to have to step out of the world's way of thinking and decide that God's way works and not allow, like in Isaiah, where it says, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you. It says, if only you would have listened to me. Your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the noonday sun. I don't want God to look at me and say, wow, it could have been so much better if you'd listened. 
So let's listen to God and see these things he's teaching that we are valued because of who we are with God. No man, no woman gives you your value. If they reinforce it, good for them. But they don't give it to me. It was given to me by God. That's a place no one can take. And that's something no one can take away from me. Thank you. Amen. Absolutely. Please remember this, embody this, the love that we need to show for one another as brothers and sisters. It will help spread the world to the entire earth, spread God's message to the entire world, I should say. And, and we have a role in that, and it's powerful. But if we're not acting like brother and sister, then, then we've messed it all up. And like she said, I think too much of the culture gets into our church, and we start acting weird with one another. In ways where I think God's looking down like, what in the world are they doing? If, you're gonna, if, th if this is your brother and sister, you need to be spending meaningful time with your brother and sister to get to know them, right? You, you can't just, you can't accept not knowing people in your ministry, guys. You know, you can't have eight, nine people in a small group you're in and you only hang out with one or two. That's not being brother or sister. Take the time to get to know them on a meaningful level. Do you understand what I'm saying? Meaningful level. All right. And I think that's something we got to grow in big time. OK, because if you don't treat each other like brothers and sisters, then the weirdness just tsunami weirdness just comes over the church. In fact, it's like, here's the deal. I don't even want to. I'm not even talking about like dating or encouragement. I'm not even going there right now. But here's the deal. You got to figure out how to spend meaningful time together. All right. And here's one of the things that just has always bothered the tar. You know what I'm saying? Jacinta, what do you think about that, man? It's messed up, isn't it? It is. But that's what I've heard before. I've got to be honest, I've heard it. I wish I could say I've only heard it once or twice. I wish I could say that. It's not the case. It's like, you know, people are refusing to spend meaningful time with someone they call family. But they won't spend meaningful time. Right? Because they're not interested in them to be a potential spouse. Oh, my gosh. Seriously, if you think like that, you need to repent right now. That is ungodly. That is not living in the kingdom way at all. If that's your sister, you need to get to know her straight up. Because if not, what you're doing is you're showing favoritism. And you need to stop that. It's, it got cut off over there, so I'll read it for you. You need to stop that weirdness. Amen. In the name of love, you need to love everybody in the church. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, you must not show favoritism. Do you know what that word favoritism means in the Greek? It means to receive the face. What does that mean? That means when you see someone and you receive their face, and if you like that, then you show them special treatment. Okay, you've received their face, and, it, and it's pleasing to you for whatever reason. Oh, oh, so now you can bestow on them certain privileges and niceties and whatnot. Okay? And so, but the people whose face you receive, but you don't really, they're not, they're not doing it for you for whatever reason. 
you choose not to give them those niceties and pleasantries and meaningful time. You're, you're absolutely spitting in the face of Jesus. Because if that was the way Jesus acted towards you or me, not one of us would be here right now. Not one of us. So you're showing favoritism. You're receiving the face, doing your own little calculation, and just discarding those that don't just, you know, make you interested or whatever. That's absolutely ridiculous. Stop doing it, okay? I mean, I, if you got family, you got to stick with them no matter what they do. Sometimes family's crazy. I got a family member who just will not stop getting involved with this dude that is terrible. Okay? And, and it's just like, will you please stop getting with this man? You know? I mean, we've all tried to talk to her like, yo, this guy is terrible. And she is older than me, but my family. Okay? But she's older than me. And so she still keeps getting involved with this man. Physical abuse, mental abuse, took her car. She didn't know where her car was. Moved in with her, yelling at her, and she can't even get out of her own bedroom. Now, old school Jeff would be... <laughs> just let me go over to the house. <laughs> we're going to deal. We're going we gonna to have a little you know, interaction right up in here. You're dealing with my family, so we're going to have to deal this a certain way. You know what I'm saying? But I can't do that because I done saddled up with Jesus, so I can't even do that. Man, so now I got to pray and stuff like that. Please stop. I got to use spiritual weapons, right? And so, you know, one day I'm sitting at, the, at, the, at my, my grandmother's house when she was still alive and get a, get a phone call, and it's like, please come get me. What are you talking about? Please come get me. He, he kicked me out of the house. Her house. It's her house. He kicked her out of her own house. So I get in my car, drive over. Now, again, this is a family member who's a female, older than me. It's winter. She's on the curb with her bra and panties on. So I receive her face, and I go, idiot, won't listen. I'm just going to keep driving, right? That's what I should do, right? That's what I should do. They don't please, this isn't pleasing to me. She doesn't listen. She's getting what she deserves. Even though she's in my family, I don't really care. You, you, maybe you just need to sit on that curb and see what it, right? I could go there, I guess. Because what I received, I didn't, I didn't like what I saw. She's my family. I gently got her, put her in the car, put my coat on her, drove home, didn't say a word about it. Why add to the shame? Why, what, what am I, what, why add? It's obvious what just went down, right? And so, but that's what we do for family. But some of you don't treat each other like family. You're worldly. I'm not wasting my money on her because I'm not interested in marrying her. Oh, my gosh. With tears in my eyes, I'm telling you, stop doing that. Stop. And here's the other thing. Out of nowhere, you, and here's, I'm going to talk to the brothers, all right? Let me just roll it out. 
So if, you, if that's your mindset, uh, one day, one day, you're going to receive the face of somebody. And you're going to be like, oh, you're going to be like, amen, right? And all, out of nowhere, you're going to expect to have this great spiritual character. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just expect, like, out of nowhere, you're going to impress this sister with your kindness and compassion that you have shown all this time. For, man, for, you crazy. She's going to see you for who you are. Exactly. That's what's going to happen. But if you had loved like Jesus loved throughout, when that's whoever that person comes in your life, trust me, you'll know how to handle that. But when you're just picking and choosing, You're chasing fantasies. Right? Now, what, what else? Remember the image of God? All right? That's another reason why you don't do that. Do to others as you would have them do to you. I can't tell you how many brothers come up to me and get mad. I don't think that sister liked me because my job ain't what it, you know, what it needs to be. Or I, I think she liked brothers that dress a certain way. Or, man, I, I didn't, my education isn't up to that level. And see, brothers don't like it when sisters, when they feel like sisters do it to them. They don't like it when they feel like sisters do it to them. But they do it to the sisters all the time. Say, hey, bro, when the last time you've been out and hung out with some of the sisters, you know, encourage them. Oh, man, I'm, only, I'm not interested in you right now. You're doing the same thing they're doing to you, bro. Do unto others, right? If you want people to treat you a certain way, you need to treat them a certain way. With love and respect, no matter who they are. You know what? Sluggers don't plow in season, Right? They don't, lay, they don't do the work to line things up, put the seed down. They don't do that work. And so miraculously come harvest time, they walk out like, where's the harvest? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Okay? So if I were you, I would start implementing these things I'm talking about today. Okay? Plant your seed now. <laughs> Treat people the right way now. So when the time comes for you to be a very spiritual person that you can hold on to a great relationship, be spiritual in a relationship, not be worldly, when the time comes when you really want it to happen, well, if you've already laid down that seeds, you'll be ready for harvest time. But some of y'all ain't doing it right now. And so you're going to look and you're going to find nothing when you really hope that you can find something. Stop the weirdness part two. Movies or marriage? What in the world am I talking about? <laughs> movies or marriage? 20 years in the church. Movies or marriage? This is, this is, this is how this works. Hey, uh, hey, bro. How's it going? Oh, it's good. Good to see you. All right, yeah. Hey, what's been happening in your job? Oh, man, my job's been good. You know, I'm doing good. Great, that's great. Hey, you know, a group of us are going to go see that movie. Um, it's coming out. It's like about three or four of us going to go see it. Hey, I was, just, I, I was wondering if you, I know you like those kind of movies. You want to come with us? Uh, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm all right. Thanks. Hey, bro, I need to talk to you. Hey, right, what's up? That girl just asked me, that sister asked me out to the movies. The way she asked me, I think she interested in me, bro. <laughs> and I don't, and I'm, not, I'm not feeling that way about her, bro. I'm not feeling that way. You know, I mean, she's like, you want to come to the movies, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, I know what kind of movies you like, you know, and uh, I mean, she's aggressive, man. I mean, I'm not even into her right now. I mean, how do I let her down easy? I, I don't know. I mean, how do I, how do, I do that?
don't let me don't let me flip the script and do the girl thing now. I I I got plenty of those stories too. <laughs> Cause girls, you do the same thing. I mean, he said he liked the color of my shoes. Oh my gosh. He is in love with me and I do not like him that way. Pastor Jeff, can you please help me? Oh my gosh. Seriously, this is some of the other weirdness that happens in the church, man. If somebody invites you to the movies, let me help you out. They probably want to go see the movie. They would like you to come with them. It doesn't mean they're trying to marry you. You don't have to freak out, okay? Get to know the person, all right? But this happens, and it's one of those proverbs. It's kind of like a proverb that, you know, that I, uh, you know, it says, to answer, you know, before listening, that, that's folly and shame. And I see that in these kind of interactions. It's like somebody's saying something. It's like you already got the answer in your mind. You ain't even listening. You know, you already know, oh, they, they must be into me. or the, They're not into you. They might be, but the way you're coming across now, you done messed it up. Seriously, we got to really work on that weirdness. Michelle, you're nodding your head. Is that, is that accurate? That is accurate. Okay. So, so let's stop overreacting. Let's start treating each other like brother and sister. Let's, let's you know, spend meaningful time with each other. I'm not a big fan of movies as necessarily being meaningful time, if you know what I mean. But, you know, you can still hang out, have fun, talk about it afterwards, whatever. It's still cool. I'm not trying to put down some rule. Um, but, uh, you know, let, let's, let's really stop that overreacting. It, it, it does happen more than you realize, you know. And, uh, and it unnecessarily hurts people's feelings. And it's just totally, re it's weird. We should just be able to, like, say things to one another. Like, I, I, I was taught this once by a brother, and I really respected him. He was like, bro, it's okay to tell a sister that, you know, you think her sweater looks cool. You know what I mean? It's okay. For a while, I got the, you know, you know, like, should I say anything? I mean, like, seriously, though. We can't compliment one another? I mean, I don't mind a compliment. I think that's cool. If you want to give me one, that's great. That's great, right? I should be able to give one, receive them, and it's okay. I think we need to encourage each other more. Encourage daily. I think we need to say kind words to one another. I think we need to say things to kind of build each other up, right? And not... If somebody says something to build you up, it doesn't mean that they want to marry you. So, I mean, I didn't see it again. So what I'd like to add to the women is don't read into anything that hasn't been said to you. Amen. And if you are a great girlfriend, don't interpret the men's words. Don't tell a sister what he meant by what he said was this, because you don't know what he meant. And it really is a disfavor to the brothers. Does that make sense? Um, I don't want to be classified like all women think the same. Do all of us think the same? Um, I don't think the brothers want to be classified like all men think the same either. And so I think that we have to be very careful to not try to interpret things and read into things and learn to develop a language that's very honest and real among each other so that we don't have to. We just, that's not, we're not playing games in fellowship. 
but we really are communicating in honest and real ways that allow us to feel genuinely closer to each other as brothers and sisters, unless God does something different. All right, this kind of dovetails into the next thing a little bit. Um, all right. The shortest, distance between the shortest distance between two points is through other adults. What do I mean by that? Okay. Okay, wait, don't assume you already know. See, don't, you put that last pro proverb into practice. All right. Because here's the deal. With men and women, it's not simple figuring stuff out, right? There's wisdom literature in the Bible, right? Name one of the wisdom literature books. Proverbs. Here's one of my favorite songs, right, Ecclesiastes. Here's a good proverb. There are three things that are too wonderful for me, four that I don't understand. The way of an eagle in the sky. I mean, you've done that. You look at a bird like, how does it fly like that? The way of a snake on a rock, I mean, it has no legs, but it's moving forward, I don't know. The way of a ship on the sea, that thing weighs 99,000 tons, but it's like floating. And the way of a man with a woman, I don't get it, right? Even the wisdom literature, there's something about man-woman interaction, it's, wow, it's not simple, right? It's not always intuitive, right? Uh, but we got to somehow figure out how to help each other through it, right? And, and here's what I found to be somewhat weird at times, right? It's like, you know, I like Sister X, right? Cool sister. Had meaningful times, right? Many meaningful times. I'm feeling like things are going in a great direction, right? And I'm trying to figure out how to make it to the next step, you know, in my opinion, right? And, and, and it doesn't even necessarily need to be take it to the next step. It could just be honestly like, you know, you're a great sister. I really enjoy being with you. I love the time that we spend together. Things like that, right? I actually think that's actually not a bad thing to say to somebody at, at the right time, like directly. But, I, but some, sometimes I think people feel like you got to go through like seven other people <laughs> to tell that person your feelings for that person. As if it were a rule, like, like the church says. You need to talk to her. Before you get. And I think, sometimes I think that, that can throw us off a little bit, right? And, and, and we got to learn how to kind of speak to one another, right? You know, directly on certain things. Again, I'm trying to give disclaimers, but it, I'm, I'm a firm believer is, you know, if you're an adult, if you've grown, then you got to be able to learn how to say some things in a, in a righteous way. And, and, if, and if the other person's not feeling it, then if you grown, you got to learn how to handle that. And you shouldn't have to wait for the Western you know, Union telegram to the other person, the email, the pigeons gave a message to the other guy who needs to get back to you with a fax to tell you that she doesn't really like you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, on some level, we got like, if I'm grown, okay, I got, this might not go down the way, but I'm willing to hear that, you know, and I'm willing to move on and not be bitter and hold it against the person, right? We got to learn how to have these types of conversations and not always outsource spiritual talks. <laughs> you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds 
and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you put off falsehood. Speak truthfully to your neighbor. Why? For we're all members of one body. Once again, we go back to we're family. We should be able to do this. And don't let any, because here's the deal. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Which means don't be manipulating, emotional manipulation. Don't be doing that. Speak wholesomely. Don't be flirting, you know. I remember I, I, got, I got a nice discussion. I had a good talk with when I was a young Christian by a, a woman of, she was about 20 years older than me, 30, 20 or 30 years older than me. And uh, she, she gave me a nice talk in the fellowship one day. And, and she referenced this passage. So I'm, I'm you know, amen. I remember 20-something years later. Now, I'm going to defend myself, though, a little bit, you know, because I was a single mom, right? Texas, that's where I grew up, right? Manners are important, you know what I mean? Open the door for a woman. That's what I was taught. You know, you like pull out a chair, you know. I, that, that's just stuff that I was just taught. But, you know, I brought it into the church in California. People don't do that in California. <laughs> so I'm opening doors for sisters on dates, right? You know, I'm, I'm just doing this stuff that to me is just like every dude in Texas I grew up with does this. This is not new, right? And so this sister comes up to me, 50-something-year-old. She's like, uh, Jeff, can I talk to you? I'm like, yeah, yeah. She's like, you know, I talked to this sister, this sister, this sister. And there's one thing they have in common. I said, really, what's that? They all think that you want to date them. <laughs> and brother, I think that you're just saying some. I think you're not being righteous in your speech. I think you're flirting with these girls. And uh, that flirting has no place in the kingdom of God. I remember that exact phrase because I was just like, wow, that. Now, you, you know, I do flirt. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I know you got me. I open doors and I, I know, but I, I can see that in me, you know. I, I got that in me. I'm in the world. I'm, I'm just out of the world, right, you know. But I needed somebody to be like, that has no place. And that just has no place in the church. You know what I mean? And so I, here's the deal. We got to learn how to speak wholesomely to one another. If you're going to speak directly, be wholesome. Say things that benefit the other person. Build them up with your speech. Don't try to twist, manipulate, get in. The, that's not what it means to be a true brother or sister in the Lord, right? And so I'm a big fan you know, of, of speaking directly. However, there are times when, you know, channel your Whitney Houston or whatever. Uh, but there are times when, you, you know, it's probably helpful to get a little intel, if you know what I'm saying, right? I think that's fine. I mean, all who are prudent act with knowledge, right? Sometimes it's good to just get some knowledge, get some counsel, some advice. Uh, because sometimes you might think, man, she's just feeling me or she... Wow, this is it, I know, and, and it is, that, that way is going to end in death. You know what I mean? It's not going to be good. So I do think that uh, it's good to get advice and counsel. In fact, I strongly recommend, if you're trying to like, really like, move forward and stuff with major decisions, man, that's what I, I would definitely pull aside their best friend. <laughs> hey, can I talk to you? Off the record, you know, don't be running back and telling the person and have a great discussion. But I don't think you need to go through, you know, seven back channels to figure it all out. Um, but I do think advice is wise and it's a good thing. All right, I'm almost done. I think I'm almost out of time. Here we go. Yeah, 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 yeah.
Hey, how much time? I, hey, where am I? I forgot. What? Where am I? I don't have my clock on. I got 30 seconds. All right. Oh, it's 304. Oh, so we're already over. Oh, okay. So the only thing I wanted to add to that, when he talked about no unwholesome talk, be careful what you say about a brother to other sisters when you're not interested. So believe it or not, someone else's quirks that someone falls in love with could be the very thing that turns you off. And so, you know, someone could say, I just love this about them, and that's the last thing you ever want in a relationship. So be careful not to go say things that in any way mar someone's character. Be very careful what you say because it's heard through ears. You know, people trust your view, and you can actually hinder someone else by just misrepresenting them because of your opinions. You know, so, so be very careful with how you speak about people. That's part of the unwholesome talk because it doesn't benefit those who listen. Does that make sense? It doesn't help that other sister for you to share those things about the brother, and it certainly doesn't help him for you to be sharing that about them to other people. The last one we'll talk about um, is <laughs> sex at Starbucks. Really? <laughs> really? So what am I talking about here? Jeff, you have gone off the rails. This is, you've really lost, no, but no, here's, honestly, here's, here's what I'm talking about. Okay, again, if, like, this comes out from my, my mom at one point, was, she's, you know, 20 years older than me, and we were in church in L.A., and she, you know, some dude her age <laughs> wanted to go talk to her and have a coffee, right? But folks in the church didn't feel great about it. And so she, my mom's like, Jeff, is that, like, what's up with that? Like, why can't I just go have a cup of coffee with this guy? We're like 50-something years old. <laughs> like, what's really going to happen, you know? <laughs> and I'm thinking, seriously, like, two people can't go to Starbucks without, like, everybody, oh, you know, something. <laughs> That's scandalous, you know. I mean, like, do we really think that low of one another? That we don't have enough self-control to go have a coffee with somebody? Like, are we going to have a culture where it's, it's considered taboo to just go to have a cup of coffee with a public place, cup of coffee? I, I, to me, I think that's a little scary. Here's the, but here's the deal. Always caveats. Now, if I know if a brother comes to me and a brother's been confessing lust and whatever to a specific sister and I'm praying for the brother and then he's like, hey, I'm going to go take her to Starbucks, I'm not going to feel great about that. Right? Because, whoa, bro, what are you doing? You're not, love protects, bro. What do you, you, don't, you shouldn't do that with her, bro. Your mind's messed up. Matter of fact, give me your car keys. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know, you know. No, you were not going to. Don't do that. That's not wise. But, man, that's like a, and, and it, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna speak to like the lowest common denominator of the church, and create rules based on the few that are gonna blow it for you know, and mess up. I, in fact, I want to have a ministry where brothers and sisters are, have such healthy, meaningful relationships where they speak wholesomely to one another. They see that you, you know we're in this together. We're a family, and every now and then, a coffee at Starbucks I think can be great. Right, and you don't have to have seven signatures and triplicate 
and turn them into me, and then I approve it, and then you can go. Like, I don't want to do that. That's weird. I mean, we got to stop the weirdness with that, all right? Okay? It's okay. Don't freak out and feel like you got to call me if you see two people at Starbucks having a cup of coffee as if they did something wrong. Like, that's inherently wrong. I don't believe it's inherently wrong. I believe in certain situations you probably shouldn't do that, right? And no, I don't think, you, oh, Jeff Hickman said I can, you know, let me get my, uh, you know, my Maxwell CD and let me get my, you know, my candles and uh, my incense and I'm going to just have her over to my apartment because Jeff said there ain't nothing wrong with one-on-one, you know what I mean? That's not what I'm saying and you know that's not what I'm saying. But here's the deal. There's always somebody in the church that's going to do that. They're going to take something you say, run with it, twist it around, flip it around, and say, there's always going to, but I'm not going to minister based on the lowest common denominator. I'm not going to do it. I'm, because people usually rise to the level that you call them to. So I'm going to believe that you actually, I'm going to actually believe that you've been indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to believe that, you know what, you can imitate Christ. And be imitators of Christ. And I'm going to believe that you believe there shouldn't be any hint of sexual morality. And I don't believe that going to Starbucks means that you are being sexually immoral or that you're giving off a hint. When I go to Starbucks and I see two people having a cup of coffee, I'm not thinking sexual thoughts. You know what I'm saying? Gosh, golly, that's weird to me. I'm going to believe in the fruit of the Spirit, man, that you can bear the fruit of the Spirit. One of them is self-control. Cultivate your relationship with God. Pray for the Holy Spirit to, to bear his fruit in your life with love and joy and patience and these types of things. Okay, live up to the standard of the scripture. Right? That's what I believe that you can do. And I believe that you can live out, you know, Ephesians 6. I believe that you can, you know, put on that full armor of God. That's what I want to be around in ministry of people that live this out. You can go to Starbucks with somebody if you're living this out. I really believe it, okay? And I, and I want us to have those types of meaningful friendships and relationships. So, Lynn, are you, you want to, I'm good. So, if you want to, we can wrap up or we can do, you want to open it up or what do you want to do? Anybody, I don't know, anybody, anybody mad at me? Anybody want to share something? I don't know. I don't know, whatever. Anybody got a question? And, oh, and don't go back to your ministry and be like, you know, Jeff Hickman told me I, can, I don't have to listen to anything you say. <laughs> don't do that. Don't, don't do that. I don't want to make ministers all over mad at me. That's not my heart. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Any thoughts? Anybody have any questions? I don't know. We got like four, three, four minutes. Good. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you so much. Maybe you can see why this helped revolutionize my thinking. There was just biblical scripture that helped me formulate my thoughts and see my brothers as my brothers in Christ and see my sisters as my sisters in Christ and treat them accordingly. And that is my hope that this will do for you, that you will see your brothers and your sisters as just that and not as potential mates, but really as people that God loved and Jesus died for, and so that you will then do above and beyond to love, care for, and encourage daily. 
So thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Lynn, for helping shape our minds and look at the scriptures and help us take a good scriptural look with that. We are going to